chapter nineteen of trial and triumph by francis e w harper this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter nineteen and thus they parted all their air castles and beautiful chambers of imagery blown to the ground by one sad cyclone of fate in the city of a p a resting-place was found for the stranger who had suddenly dashed from their lips the scarcely tasted cup of happiness mr luzerne employed for her the best medical skill he could obtain she was suffering from nervous prostration and brain fever annette was constant in her attentions to the sufferer and day after day listened to her delirious ravings sometimes she would speak of a diamond necklace and say so beseechingly clarence don't look at me so you surely can't think i am guilty i will go away and hide myself from you clarence you never loved me or you would not believe me guilty but at length a good constitution and careful nursing overmastered disease and she showed signs of recovery annette watched over her when her wild ravings sounded in her ears like requiems for the loved and cherished dead between her and the happiness she had so fondly anticipated stood that one blighted life but she watched that life just as carefully as if it had been the dearest life on earth she knew one day as annette sat by her bedside she surmised from the look on her face that the wandering reason of the sufferer had returned beckoning to annette she said who are you and where am i annette answered i am your friend and you are with friends poor clarence she murmured to herself more sinned against than sinning my dear friend annette said very tenderly you have been very ill and i am afraid that if you do not be very quiet you will be very sick again annette gently smoothed her beautiful hair and tried to soothe her into quietness rest and careful nursing soon wrought a wondrous change in marie luzerne but annette thoughtfully refrained from all reference to her past history and waited for a time to unravel the mystery she could not understand and with this unsolved mystery the match between her and luzerne was broken off at length one day when marie's health was nearly restored she asked for writing materials and said i mean to advertise for my mother in a southern paper it seems like a horrid dream that all i knew or loved even my husband whom i deserted believed that i was dead till i came suddenly on him in the park with a young lady by his side she looked like you was it you yes said annette as a sigh of relief came to her lips if clarence had wooed and won her he had not wilfully deceived her oh how i would like to see him i was wayward and young when i left him in anger oh if i have sinned i have suffered but i think that i could die content if i could only see him once more annette related the strange sad story to her physician who decided that it was safe and desirable that there should be an interview between them luzerne visited his long-lost wife and after a private interview he called annette to the room who listened sadly while she told her story which exonerated luzerne from all intent to deceive annette by a false marriage while she had a legal claim upon him i was born she said in new orleans 
my father was a spaniard and my mother a french creole she was very beautiful and my father met her at a french ball and wished her for his companion for life but as she was an intelligent girl and a devout catholic she would not consent to live a life by which she would be denied the sacrament of her church so while she could not contract a civil marriage which would give her the legal claims of a wife she could enter into an ecclesiastical marriage by which she would not forfeit her claim to the rights and privileges of the church as a good catholic i was her only child loved and petted by my father and almost worshipped by my mother and i never knew what it was to have a wish unfulfilled if it was in her power to gratify it when i was about sixteen i met clarence luzerne people then said that i was very beautiful you would scarcely think so now but i suppose he thought so too in a short time we were married and soon saw that we were utterly unfitted to each other he was grave and i was gay he was careful and industrious i was careless and extravagant he loved the quiet of his home and books i loved the excitements of pleasure and the ballroom and yet i think he loved me but it was as a father might love a wayward child whom he vainly tried to restrain i had a cousin who had been absent from new orleans a number of years of whose antecedents i knew not scarcely anything he was lively handsome and dashing my husband did not like his society and objected to my associating with him i did not care particularly for him but i chafed against the restraint and in sheer waywardness i continued the association one day he brought me a beautiful diamond necklace which he said he had obtained in a distant land i laid it aside intending to show it to my husband in the meantime a number of burglaries had been committed in the city of b and among them was a diamond necklace my heart stood still with sudden fear while i read of the account and while i was resolving what to do my husband entered the house followed by two officers who demanded the necklace my husband interfered and with a large sum of money obtained my freedom from arrest my husband was very proud of the honour of his family and blamed me for staining its record from that day my husband seemed changed in his feeling towards me he grew cold distant and abstracted and i felt that my presence was distasteful to him i could not enter into his life and i saw that he had no sympathy with mine and so in a fit of desperation i packed my trunk and took with me some money i had inherited from my father and left as i said in a note for ever i entered a convent and resolved that i would devote myself to the service of the poor and needy for life had lost its charms for me i scarcely entered the convent before the yellow fever broke out and raged with fearful intensity i was reckless of my life and engaged myself as a nurse one day there came to our hospital a beautiful girl with a wealth of raven hair just like mine was before i became a nurse i nursed her through a tedious illness and when she went out from the hospital as i had an abundance of clothing i supplied her from my wardrobe with all she needed even to the dress she wore away the clothing was all marked with my name soon after i saw in the paper that a young woman who was supposed from the marks on her clothing and the general description of her person to be myself was found drowned in a freshet i was taken ill immediately afterwards and learned on recovering that i had been sick and delirious for several weeks i sought for my mother inquired about my husband but lost all trace of them both till i suddenly came across my husband in brightside park but clarence if you have formed other ties don't let me come between you and the sunshine you are free to apply for a divorce you can make the plea of wilful desertion i will not raise the least straw in your way i will go back to the convent and spend the rest of my life in penitence and prayer i have sinned it is right that i should suffer clarence looked eagerly into the face of annette 
it was calm and peaceful but in the end he read no hope of a future reunion what say you annette would you blame me if i accepted this release i certainly would she is your lawful wife in the church of her father you pledged your faith to her and i do not think any human law can absolve you from being faithful to your marriage vows i do not say it lightly i do not think any mother ever laid her first-born in the grave with any more sorrow than i do to-day when i make my heart the sepulchre in which i bury my first and only love this clarence is the saddest trial of my life i am sadder to-day than when i stood a lonely orphan over my grandmother's grave and heard the clods fall on her coffin and stood lonely and heart-stricken in my uncle's house and felt that i was unwelcome there but clarence the great end of life is not the attainment of happiness but the performance of duty and the development of character the great question is not what is pleasant but what is right annette i feel that you are right but i am too wretched to realize the force of what you say i only know that we must part and that means binding my heart as a bleeding sacrifice on the altar of duty do you not know who drank the cup of human suffering to its bitter dregs before you arm yourself with the same mind learn to suffer and be strong yes we must part but if we are faithful till death heaven will bring us sweeter rest and thus they parted if luzerne had felt any faltering in his allegiance to duty he was too honourable and upright when that duty was plainly shown to him to weakly shrink from its performance and as soon as his wife was able to travel he left a p for a home in the sunny south after luzerne had gone annette thought i must have some active work which will engross my mind and use every faculty of my soul i will consult with my dear friend mrs Lisette. all unnerved by her great trial annette rang mrs Lisette's front door bell somewhat hesitatingly and walked wearily into the sitting-room where she found mrs Lisette resting in the interval between twilight and dark why annette she said with pleased surprise i am so glad to see you how is clarence i thought you would have been married before now i have your wedding present already for you mrs Lisette, annette said while her voice trembled with inexpressible sorrow it is all over mrs Lisette was lighting the lamp and had not seen annette's face in the dusk of the evening but she turned suddenly around at the sound of her voice and noticed the wan face so pitiful in its expression of intense suffering what is the matter my dear have you and luzerne had a lover's quarrel no said annette sadly and then in the ears of her sympathizing friend she poured her tale of bitter disappointment mrs Lisette folded the stricken girl to her heart in tenderest manner oh mrs Lisette, she said you make me feel how good it is for girls to have a mother annette my brave and my noble girl i am so glad glad of what mrs Lisette? glad that you have been so true to conscience and to duty glad that you have come through your trial like gold tried in the fiercest fire glad that my interest in you has not been in vain and that i have been able to see the blessed fruitage of my love and labours and now my dear child what next i must have a change i must find a relief in action i feel so weak and bruised in heart a bruised reed will not break murmured mrs Lisette to herself annette said mrs Lisette, this has been a fearful trial but it must not be in vain let it bring you more than happiness let it bring you peace and blessedness there is only one place for us to bring our sins and our sorrows and that is the mercy seat let us both kneel there to-night and ask for grace to help in this your time of need we are taught to cast our care upon him for he careth for us come my child with a spirit of submission and full surrender and consecrate your life to his service body soul and spirit not as a dead offering but a living sacrifice 
together they mingled their prayers and tears and when annette rose from her knees there was a look of calmness on her face and a deep peace had entered her soul the strange trial was destined to bring joy and gladness and yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness in the future mrs Lisset wrote to some friends in a distant southern town where she obtained a situation for annette as a teacher here she soon found work to enlist her interest and sympathy and bring out all the activity of her soul she had found her work and the people among whom she laboured had found their faithful friend End of chapter nineteen